everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. My name is Kevin Foss, and I am the host for today. I guess I'm the host every day on this podcast. Uh, I'm a licensed clinician specializing in uh, treating OCD and anxiety disorders. Thank you all so much for joining me for this podcast. Uh, So this is a question and answer based podcast where you can send me questions uh, about um, OCD and anxiety treatment. um, And um, and I will read them, consider them and likely put them up on a future episode. You can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and send me a message over there uh, at the uh, submit a question link. Send it over there. I will see them and get to them. Um, as I've mentioned before, everybody, um, you can you can cut the line if you would like to. Uh, cutting the line essentially means uh, sending me an audio question. Uh, so you record you reading your question to me, to the listeners. You, you reading your thing, you get the idea. It's an audio medium. Anyways, so you'd send that to me. You can send me uh, a, a link to it through uh, Google Drive. Uh, there are various other apps that will uh, record your voice and ship it on off. Uh, you can even just go over to Instagram. I'm Fearcast Podcast over at Instagram, and you can just uh, record your, uh, um, your question there and uh, send it to me via uh, kind of direct message. I suppose it's called direct messages. Send it to me over there. I'll read it and check it out. Uh, everybody, if if you have listened to the podcast before and you like it, thank you so much for joining me again. Thank you so much for trusting me to be a part of your process uh, and your um, uh, tr- you know, efforts to understand it, efforts to overcome anxiety. Uh, it, it, it means the world to me that uh, that I could be part of that. So thank you so much for letting me into that. Um, and again, if, you've, if you like the podcast, go over to iTunes, go over to Spotify, go over to wherever else that it is that you get your podcasts and, uh, and rate it. Uh, give it a star, give it a like, give it a thumbs up, whatever it is over at that medium. What's even better is send me a, uh, or write a review of it. If you like it, give it that five stars. Tell, uh, say what you like about it. Say if it was meaningful, say if it was helpful. What is it about it? I- I'd love to hear it. Uh, and, uh, and ultimately, it, 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 it helps other people to find it. It boosts us up in the rankings and uh, helps other people to find this information. And hopefully, more listeners, more questions, the, the, the longer this podcast can go. So I'm going to do this podcast until I stop getting questions, at which point I'll figure out something else to do. But until then, I keep getting questions. So I'm going to keep doing this podcast. So again, thank you so much. I always worry when I say thank you for listening that it sounds really cheesy or sounds corny. I I don't know how to say it to not sound cheesy or corny. Um, I hope it doesn't sound that way. If it does, it it does. I'm just going to have to accept the uncertainty that maybe some people out there think it's cheesy and corny. Whatever. Thank you. It means the world to me. All right. So today's going to be fun fun episode. It's gonna be a fun episode. Um, it's, it's, I'm going back to diverse everybody. I know I've, I, I've, I've kind of gone off the rails lately. We've done, I've incorporated the, uh, uh the, the anxiety in the arts. I have one more I'm going to release soon. Um, I, I've, I had, uh, an interview or two and we've, you know, we've kind of skimped on the, the questions. Sometimes I'm going to do a, a podcast where it's going to be a bunch of the same kind of questions. Sometimes I'm just going to do one question and yammer on a lot about it. Today, we're back to diversity, everybody. So, um, diver- yeah, diversity is the right way to say that. It's a diverse amount or diverse 
type of question. You know what I'm saying. Anyhow, so that's where we're at today. So it's going to be a, a, a relatively broad range of things, hopefully to mix it up, not make it too monotonous. And uh, uh, hopefully we can... Um, uh, Hopefully we can all learn something from it. That's the cheesiest thing I've ever said. Uh, I judge me for saying that. Anyways, everybody, we're just going to jump right in. So I guess I have nothing else um, at the top to say um, other than I hope everybody's doing well. I probably already said that. Um, what Do we have anything coming up? We're probably buckling up whenever you, if you're listening to this when it comes out, we're buckling up to uh, uh, to do the IOCDF online conference. I think that's going to be in November. That sounds about right. October? I think it's in November. I'm going to solidify those dates because I also have to present, so I should figure out what I'm doing doing for that. So um, I'm, I'm presenting with a couple other folks. There'll be more information, TBD. But um, uh, or, uh, so if you are going to join us or join the online uh, IOCDF conference, um, check out our talk to see if they sound like there's something that would be interesting to you. Outside of that, everybody, things are just kind of moving along around here at the Foss House. Uh, I got to play a lot more bass. I got to play a lot more guitar. I suck at both, but I'm having fun. I hope everybody out there is having a hobby that they are or is investing in a hobby. A buddy of mine reached out and said that he's getting, he's considering, no, he's getting into archery, which is something that I did for a very long time and spent way too much time and way too much money and way too much effort on getting good at archery. I became a certified coach. I spent three days, four days a week for like two hours at a time doing archery. That's what I did. And it was really fun. And then I fell out of it. And that's okay, because I got into other stuff. If you have a hobby, which you should have, which everyone should have, something that they do that they enjoy, we fall out of it sometimes. Or it's that thing that is going to define you for the rest of your life. Either way, find something. This is a, a tangent side note. But anyways, that's my PSA on... Um, on hobbies and things that will positively occupy your time. So anyways, now what we're talking about. All right, first question, everybody. I'm going to go through three questions today. Some are going to be longer. Some are going to be shorter. This one, medium. All right, this comes from Peter. Peter says, I suffer from anxiety attacks when I feel sick. Nausea makes me panic and sometimes a full-blown panic attack happens, especially when the nausea does not go away. Just for clarification, the nausea comes on before panic, always. The, quote, 10-minute panic rule or panic attack rule doesn't apply here, and it will generally last the entire duration of the illness. Last night, I had my first one in about a year. It lasted four hours for the number four, F-O-U-R, four hours. And I considered calling an ambulance and checking myself into a hospital many times. Uh, In truth, I was quite close uh, to doing so. I had to take a benzo, benzodiazepine, it's a medication, a very fast-acting anti-anxiety medication. They say it's um, uh, uh, doctor-prescribed. I, I had to take a benzo, but in the end, uh, or in the end, but it didn't really work. Eventually, I fell asleep. What treatment would you recommend for these circumstances? Thanks, Kevin. Well, Peter, um, 
man, I am so sorry you're struggling with this. I, I've I've known a couple of folks who struggle with uh, things like this, panic attacks, anxiety about nausea, um, and man, it can just be overwhelming. It can it can be all all consuming too. Um, so first off, everybody, um, the the ten minute panic attack rule that Peter's talking about is it's kind of this this loose rule that's out there, and I've probably talked about it myself. Is that generally speaking, a panic attack, a a bona fide panic attack, they say, generally lasts about 10 minutes from the spike of anxiety and the overwhelming aspect of it to when it slowly subsides um, to more and more manageable state. They say it's about 10 minutes. Now, for the person experiencing that panic, they can feel a lot of panic and they can feel way overwhelmed and it can feel awful. But uh, they say it might feel like it's taking hours or a a huge amount of time. Um, Sometimes it's just about give or take about 10 minutes. Um, but um, but Peter, that's not what you're saying. What you're saying is that you had panic-related symptoms that was, that, that was brought on by a sense of nausea that lasted for about four hours. And you've said that this is something that does happen to you. So, um, uh, so Peter, what I would encourage you to look into, what this sounds more like is something called emetophobia. Now, I'm not diagnosing with you with this. I've I, everything I know about you, Peter, is from what you messaged me. But from what you're talking about, you know, if you're messaging me thinking that man, maybe this might be an OCD related thing, it sounds a or, or a panic attack and panic and panic and phobia. By the way, everybody out there, these are on the anxiety spectrum. Remember when I said OCD and anxiety spectrum? We also talk about panic. We also talk about phobias. So that's what we're here for. Anyways, Peter. I'd encourage you to look into emetophobia. So emetophobia is the fear of throwing up, the fear of vomit. Um, I would encourage you to look into it because it sounds like it's more like this. Someone who has a, a, a fear of vomiting, man, you know, oftentimes they can go a really long time without throwing up. And most of the time for some folks, this phobia does not get in their way. Um, they can get on with their life, they they eat, they go to work, they have relationships, whatever. But it's these times, like for example, when you're sick, that all of a sudden it kicks up this anxiety and this overwhelming irrational fear of vomiting shows up. And it can be, as I mentioned, overwhelming and painful and frustrating and all-consuming. And what it and and there are, let's say there are compulsions about it. The compulsions would be avoidance. Um, it can be other, I'll say it, just anything that you can do to make sure that you don't throw up. Um, and I've talked to I've talked to and treated a lot of folks who suffer from this. Um, I've talked to folks who have not vomited for you know a decade or more. Um, some people who particularly suffer with this are going to be people who are considering or are or are considering getting pregnant or are pregnant and are experiencing morning morning sickness. They are terrified and and irrationally terrified of throwing up, and they experience morning sickness. Um, for some folks, it can lead to avoidance of certain foods, uh, foods that they may have thrown up with before. Um, to a certain to a certain degree, you can argue that that's um, 
a, a one trial learning about kind of a biological avoidance that we can all have. Um, but um, but it can be it, it can be you know hey I heard I heard this one person threw up eating this this one time so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna eat food like that or I'm not gonna eat you know food related to that. For some it can be it can lead to excessive Yelp review reading to make sure that you know no one read or wrote a review that said hey I went to this restaurant and four hours later I got stomach poisoning and hurled. Um, or they're gonna avoid any restaurant that's you know anything less than an A rating. Um, so it, it, it can be all-consuming in that sense. Um, but Peter, what makes me think about this is that, that you said that you felt anxious for for four hours during this time, and it and it was and that those symptoms were brought on by a sense of nausea. So something to look into. It is pretty treatable. It's it's treated a lot with exposure and response prevention, where you're going to progressively tolerate a sense of nausea. You can challenge that thought about nausea, about, you know, what's so bad about it? And Peter, for you, what is so bad about throwing up? I mean, I get it. It's, it's uncomfortable. It feels bad. It's gross even, right? But what is so bad? bad that it makes you feel so uncomfortable that brings on this panic like symptom right so is it the, it's the it's the trigger to a bigger illness it's going to be something where you know if you throw up you're never going to stop throwing up is it that um, you know it, it, it it's painful and you'll do anything you can to avoid feeling pain spend some time thinking about what is it what is it for you that's so bad about it but ultimately you know, you can challenge those thoughts you can reconsider. And by the way, if it's nothing, you can say, you know, it it doesn't make any stinking sense. It is simply uncomfortable. And Peter, it is, but it's just uncomfortable. You and I do a lot of uncomfortable things in life. Vomiting is kind of one of them. And when you're sick, you're sick. And when you're sick, sometimes you got to throw up, right? It's the way our bodies work. It's the way our bodies um, I. I keep on moving. I was going to say designed to do, and to a certain degree, it's designed to do that when we feel sick, sometimes throwing up is going to make you feel better. Now, you've thought about this. You've said this to yourself a thousand times, I can imagine. But something to then consider is, can you tolerate that feeling for an extended period of time and accept that it feels uncomfortable and kind of ride that out? You don't have to like the feeling of nausea, and some exposures to that are going to be looking at pictures of pictures of throw up. It's going to be saying the word throw up, hurl, upchuck, spew, uh, uh, vomit, whatever. It's going to be saying those words. It's going to be thinking about it. It's going to be writing about it. But ultimately, it's going to have to be tolerated, the discomfort with it. Um, I, I, if I remember correctly, I, th- I think I did a whole episode on uh, emetophobia in the Phobia Friday series from, I don't know, year and a half ago, something like that. You might want to check that out. Uh, that might be uh, something to look into. But um, but Peter, uh, what the treatment that I would recommend for this is what you asked. The treatment I would recommend would be cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure and response prevention. But also, particularly for, for this, I mean, exposure and response prevention is going to be really helpful, but also really looking into ACT and, you know, acknowledging that it does feel uncomfortable and it's survivable. I wonder for you, Peter, what are you doing in the midst of this 
anxiety, right? Are you in your head ruminating about how much you're going to vomit? Are you trying to uh, avoid things? I mean, you said kind of you you, you talked about um, you know feeling so anxious that you were considering checking into hospital. I mean, was the was that a primary focus of your rumination? Is do I have to go to the hospital? Should I go to the hospital now? Is this the right time to go to the hospital? If I don't go to the hospital now, what's going to happen? If I if I miss my window to get to a hospital, what's going to happen to me? I I don't know, but. I would take some time to to consider what that is, um, acknowledge that it is uncomfortable, but also can you hold out on that, hold out on the rumination, the checking, the avoidances, and what would be so bad if you threw up? If you did, would it be the end of the world, or would it just simply be uncomfortable? So, Peter, I, I hope this was helpful, and that's the direction that I, I would encourage you to go in. Um, for anybody listening, I'll try to put the uh, or tag that episode, the emetophobia episode, if I did one, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, I'll tag that in the um, the show notes. So, let's go to the next question. So, this is the longer one. Uh, so, I, I apologize, everybody. This is written by Elizabeth. So, Elizabeth, she says. I relate very much to some of the descriptions of hyperawareness OCD and sensory motor OCD. However, I don't have a direct compulsion or a physical behavior of my own, like breathing or eye floaters, that I focus on. Rather, I find a lot of spaces visually loud, she puts loud in quotes, so visually loud, almost in a synesthetic, I think that's how you say it, synesthetic sense. Um, I'm extremely attuned to physical space. For instance, I dislike museums because I feel like they are very they're very loud. They're visually quote bossy about whether about where and how uh, I can be, and I find that visual information so distracting, um, or so distracting that I have a hard time focusing or enjoying art in that moment. Um, similarly, uh, I find shared. Uh, shared space is loud. Uh, parenthetically, she says, living with roommates is torture for me. Uh, she says, um, when I am particularly activated, I will clean and organize, um, but it's more the loudness of the spatial information or uh, of the spatial information um, and how fixated my thoughts become on disturbances in my physical environment that feels like the compulsion or the the compulsion itself. I will work over. Uh, I will work over and over solutions to what feel or to what feel like spatial problems or get completely lost in feelings of being unsafe or anxious. I'm super tuned to others, uh, other people's nonverbal communication as well. Um, I, I read people's bodies and body language very much uh, like I do spaces. Um, and, and again, the loudness, uh, or there, there's a loudness to it that is sometimes overpowering. Ironically, this meticulous attention to detail serves me really well in my professional life, but it creates a, uh, a level of sensory overload that has led me towards uh, things like eating disorders, addiction, workaholism, and physical isolation. Um, or, and then she says, or are these compulsions? Um, says, which is... Um, which all feel like attempts to regain control or quiet this noisiness. Is this a form of OCD? It seems different from what I've read and listened to, but similar uh, similar enough that I actually get quite a bit uh, from treatment modalities aimed at OCD. So, um, Elizabeth, this is a fantastic question, and I'm going to be honest, when I when I read your question, and even now, I try to do a little bit of research to see if there was, you know, something related to this. I mean, you mentioned it was it was loud, it was visually 
bossy um, to see what what that was related to. I looked up different variants of, of synesthesia, which which there are various um, variations of it, um, but none of them quite fit what it is that that you're talking about. Um, I, I'm. I'll be honest, I'm a little bit at a loss, and why I wanted to then read this is 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 first to see if there was anybody who's listening to this that that does know about this about this that can help Elizabeth. So anybody who's listening, if there if anything in this had rung a bell, if anything in this had had um, you know if you know if you know anything about this, if you've heard about this, if you experience this. Shoot me a message over at fearcastpodcast.com and let me know what this is and what this might be and how we can ultimately help Elizabeth. I, I want to try to do a follow-up on this if and when I get information about this, and I will absolutely put this up. So, um, the call is out, everybody. I'm calling the Fearcast group, people listening, you people, y'all. If there's something that you've heard about, let me know. So, Elizabeth, just some of my thoughts on this. So, it's very possible that the things you're doing are compulsions to try to avoid having this feeling or this awareness. I hear what you're saying in the terms of hyper awareness or sensor motor, where you know you're in a space and you all of a sudden have this feeling or you feel this discomfort um, that may be that may be ir- irrational, right? Um, it, it, it may be it may be related to a sense of of agoraphobia, which is kind of a fear of open spaces, but that that doesn't quite um, quite reach what it is. Um, gosh, I'd looked up something. <laughs> where is? I'm looking up at my phone with the thing that I had researched. <laughs> this is super exciting to have people listen to me as I am doing this. Oh, um, something that may be related to this might be something called kinophobia. So it's a fear of empty spaces. I had to Google that to figure that one out. So you can look into that to see if that kind of resonates with you. Um, but... Um, but I, you know, in all honesty, it sounds like you are kind of on the right track if you're recognizing that the stimulus that is giving you this anxiety is irrational, that there is no ultimate danger, just kind of makes you uncomfortable. You said it's loud. The When you said loud, it makes me think of maybe a sensory integration concern, and that might be something that you can look into. Um, but... Um, uh, and you said it's visually bossy. I'd love to know what that feels like, what that sounds like at other times that you feel this. Um, but obviously, Elizabeth, you are not here to talk about it. So, um, so it certainly sounds like something you know it could be on the OCD spectrum. Um, it, it sounds like if you are in my office and you said, Kevin, what can we do with this? I'd say, you know, what we're going to try to do. We're going to we're going to try to tap into that feeling and I'm going to try to get you to feel that feeling. And we're going to talk about what that feels like. And we're going to get really intimately acquainted with what loud feels like or what bossy feels like. And we're going to notice it and we're going to feel it. We're going to welcome it as a unique experience that, you know what, maybe it's only for you. Let's say you're the only person in the in the world who experiences this, then you get to experience it. I don't think you are ultimately Elizabeth, but let's say you are and let's get acquainted with this as you are the lucky person who's who in this world can feel what loud feels like or what a bossy experiences. 
observe that feeling as if you were to write a book on it, as if you were to convey to the world what that experience is like, because we all want to know what that's like. Observe it as if it's as if it is a science experiment, as if it is an animal in the wild. How does it act? How does it move? What are the thoughts that go on? What are the images that come up? Where is the feeling of bossiness? Where is loud in your body, in your head, in your in your your feet? Does it move? Does it pulsate? Does it change over time? Is it different in a in a museum versus at home? Is it does it feel that way if you're out in a field? Does it feel that way if you're in a, an airplane or an airplane hangar, if you've ever been in one? I don't think I have, but there you go. A big, wide open space. Does it shift and change? Be curious about that feeling rather than avoiding, avoiding it or running from it. I get that it feels uncomfortable, but tacking on a sense of curiosity can be a game changer in the way that you view it, rather than viewing it as a problem, viewing it as a curiosity, viewing it as a point of interest, feeling it like you've never felt it before, and it's something that is of note, of interest. So that's where I would start. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would start doing different things. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly interested in hearing, you know, where, where does your brain go? When you start to feel that feeling, does it go off into, oh my God, it's here and this is terrible and I hate this and it's awful, right? Does it pull you into this kind of abyss of this feeling's never going to end, in which case it's kind of similar to the hyper-awareness sensory motor OCD world, right? So... It's. I would encourage you to take note. And again, everybody, um, if you've heard about this or you have some tips on this or ideas for Elizabeth, go over to fearcastpodcast.com, find me over at Instagram, fearcastpodcast, send me a message, and I want to share this. I want to get to the bottom of this so we're all going to figure this out. So, Elizabeth, I, I'm, I'm half helpful. Hopefully, the Fearcast uh, uh, listeners are going to pull through for you. So, we're going to move on to the next or next and last question. This question comes from RJ. RJ says, My son will be entering college this fall. How can I help him transition successfully as he lives with pure OCD? Do you recommend requesting anything from the college to help him? So, RJ, thank you so much for that very concise question. So, um, everybody, we've talked about this before. Pure O is a manifestation of obsessive compulsive disorder that is a misnomer. Um, it's it is a it's a manifest manifestation of OCD. It's called Pure O with the belief that there are no compulsions. It's just only obsessions. It's overwhelmed by thinking, overwhelmed by obsession. Um, the reality, though, is that there are obsessions. There are mental obsessions. So they are, uh, it can be mental checking, it can be monitoring, it can be um, uh, trying to plan out the future, it can be replaying scenes from the past, um, it can be, you know, playing out stories. It's it's everything that happens inside one's body, so head and body. Um and it can be obviously debilitating. There are a ton of resources and um, uh, things like that out there. I just wrote an article on mental compulsions that you can um, uh, uh, that you can read. It's over at uh, calocity.com. You can also find it at uh, Psychology Today. Anyhow, so RJ, what what can you do to help him successfully transition? So first and foremost, I would try to get him connected with a therapist where he is. Um, I would not necessarily 
trust that someone at his um, uh, college uh, college psycho- uh, psychological services um, uh, uh, group um, is going to really understand what pure O is. So, I mean, you may get lucky. However, I would not necessarily think that someone is going to know what to do. Anyways, um, so you can go over to, I think the best re- re- uh, referral for you in this would be go over to iocdf.com or .org, excuse me. So it's the International OCD Foundation. Put in your zip code into the therapist finder, or put the zip code of his college um, that he's going to go to, and it will show up with a bunch of therapists in his area. And you know what? Honestly, find a therapist in his state and do teletherapy. It's not to say that he needs to you know now do 15 years of therapy. But it's to say, you know, maybe he's gone through therapy, but starting with or continuing on with someone to maintain his progress or to get on top of the ball for the first time, especially as he's entering college, starting that process of, of you know, acclimating to that world and independence and, you know, collegiate studies. It's gonna, It can be a lot. And it's likely to exacerbate, poke at, make worse or agitate his his symptoms so getting connected with someone is going to be great a psychiatrist can also be a great resource if he's not wanting to be on medication have that in his back pocket so just a name contact them find out you know how to get connected with them maybe even do just an initial assessment with them just to have that ready when if and when he needs it so some to consider. So the the you said uh, other things were requesting anything from the college to help him. I can't really think of anything in particular that you would request from the college. If anything, you can you know depending on how his symptoms go, you can request um, special accommodations from the college to accommodate for his symptoms. If his symptoms are, are overwhelming and are causing him to you know fall behind in his studies or he's tru- having trouble with tests, um, you, know, you can work with a therapist or a psychiatrist uh, or a psychologist, I suppose, to uh, to uh, request special um, special accommodations for his um, for his uh, disability. Now, I, I, it, this is kind of more in line with the Americans with Disabilities Act, so the ADA. You can look more into detail about that. But what it essentially says is, if someone if someone's documented mental health disorder or physical health disorder is impacting their work, um, and I, I believe school fits into that too, that they can request reasonable accommodation for their disability or their disorder. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to get all of those things um, or, and that they're, or they're just absolutely going to you know, say, yeah, whatever you want, you can do it. Because um, you could say, well, for accommodations, he's going to need to get A's on all of his tests. I mean, they're not going to accommodate for that, right? But is it that he needs a little bit of extra time on tests? Is it that he needs somebody through the... Um, uh, Accessibility. I think it's the accessibility department to be able to help him take notes in class. Um, it, it, all those things can be taken into account, but f- but the best way to figure that out is to actually work with a therapist to talk about what symptoms he is experiencing, what struggles he has, and what where his where his. Uh, Puro is currently impacting him, or if it even is impacting him or impacting his um, academic life, right? 
So I've worked with some folks where, you know, they, their OCD, they've requested to have an individual room. Um, you know, depending on the circumstances, I've, I've written a letter to help help someone in that process to pursue that. Um, and I've written a bunch of other letters for a lot of different other reasons. But again, I've, I did an assessment with someone. I might have worked with them for a little bit to get kind of get an idea about the impact their symptoms have on their life. RJ, that's what I would recommend you start. Um, I, but again, as far as other things to recommend for, or to request from the college, um, I, I can't really think of anything. But um, RJ, I think that you're asking some great questions, and I think your son is really gonna really gonna benefit from the fact that you are considering this and how to get him best connected to um, best connected and for for success in college. It's tough. It's also fun. So I hope he does the best. Um, I hope he does the best that he possibly can and has a, a wild and crazy amount of fun um, that is legal and safe for him uh, and other people for that matter. Anyways, RJ, I hope that was helpful. Okay, everybody, I think we're going to wrap it up. Thank you all so much for joining me again for this episode. So as I've mentioned, if you have feedback for this, and particularly for Elizabeth's question, um, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. And this is for questions for a future episode too. Go over to fearcastpodcast.com and click on the uh, uh, submit a question link and send me a message over there. If you have a success story and things have been working great for you or that you've been overcoming and you've been challenging yourself to any degree, even if you're still in the middle of anxiety and still in the you know the the front part of treatment, even if you, the message is, Kevin, I, I saw a therapist for the first time. I want to hear about it. So you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com, and in the submit a question, there will be a drop down menu. It, it can, it'll say uh, either a question or it'll say success story. You put it there. As I mentioned, everybody, if you have an audio for it, you're going to cut the line and go right to the top because I want to hear it. You want to hear it too. I've gotten emails from people. I've gotten messages on Instagram that said, I love it when people send in their audio because it feels so personal. It feels so much more... It, 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 it illustrates that this community is just... It's not just me talking to you. It's that there are people out there who are struggling with the same things that you are. And hearing their voice is powerful. So that's why I, I request it. So, um... Uh, anyhow, so uh, please remember, everybody, that the Fearcast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you have, uh, if you need a little bit more help in your recovery, go over to fearcastpodcast.com, and you can click on the Find Help link, and there's going to be some stuff for you there to point in that direction. All right, everybody. Until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.